From the Heart.org Radio, this is The Fellow's Corner. Hello, my name is Aaron Gorodetsky. I'm a cardiology fellow at Cleveland Clinic in Cleveland, Ohio. And I'm speaking today to Dr. Marvin Constam. Dr. Constam is a senior advisor in cardiovascular diseases at the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute and professor of internal medicine and a heart failure specialist at the Tufts New England Medical Center in Boston. Dr. Constant, thank you so much for joining us. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yes. Um, last Sunday, on uh, September the 21st, 2008, the American Board of Medical Specialties approved the American Board of Internal Medicine's proposal to establish secondary subspecialty board certification in uh, advanced heart failure and transplant cardiology. This is a uh, very interesting news, especially the cardiology fellows around the country. And um, I know, Dr. Constant, that you played a role in this. And, and my first question to you is, um, are heart failure specialists uh, in demand? Um, you know what, they're, uh, I'm finding that they're enormously in demand. And, um, you know, at Tufts Medical Center, um, where I was chief of cardiology until, until last uh, December, um, you know, we were tr regularly training um, at least one uh, person in our heart failure program a year, and all I can say is, you know, when they when they were finishing, um, they typically had uh, about a half dozen major um, uh, recruitments from uh, from important academic medical centers around the country in heart failure, and growing interest in it among uh, private practices as well. Um, the demand is, uh, as I see it, very high and rising. Hmm. Um, so if somebody is looking for, for a job in, in heart failure after they're, they're done with their general cardiology, one thing they're thinking about is, is getting a job and, and compensation issues. Yes. And I'm wondering, uh, how do administrators, both, both in hospitals and maybe even in private practices, value a heart failure specialist, especially considering that, you know, we don't do uh, invasive procedures that make a lot of money, et cetera? Boy, that, that is a $64 question. I mean, it, it really is a critical question. And I think it's, frankly, a problem right now because <clears throat> as compensation sort of links to relative value units, you know, the work a physician does or produces, um, it's difficult because so much of what is done by um, what will be secondary subspecialists specialists in advanced heart failure and transplant cardiology, uh, so much of what they do is, is what's known as evaluation and management services, which traditionally uh, pr pr provides much less of an opportunity to accrue RVUs um, and therefore may not be valued. And, and as I see, as I go around the country, I find that's a problem in many, many places. On the other hand, what is um, what, the reason I'm extremely optimistic that that's going to change is, first of all, the demand is so very high, and I think that people are going to be able to negotiate where they go because the demand is so high. Now, the question is, why is the demand so high? The, the demand is so high uh, is because this is an enormously growing field, number one, and if one wants to get into financial terms, the reality is that when you have um, a, a program in advanced heart failure, and, and if, 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 whether or not that includes cardiac transplantation and ventricular assist devices, it turns out that that program um, is, is extremely beneficial to the hospital 
and to the medical center in terms of their margin, you know, the the, the profit. It's actually called margin that they that they get, and and the reason is because of you know, frankly, in this uh, crazy system that we have, um, you know, all of all of the procedures um, and all of the activities that occur downstream to that, all the catheterizations, all the echocardiograms, uh, all the surgical procedures, all the testing that occurs. Um, is occurring because that program exists. So the downstream value of that program financially to an institution is enormous. Uh, the challenge for institutions, and I think for the field, is is to make sure that folks recognize, um, you know, the economics of it. I mean, I hate to, I hate to focus on economics because. Um, you know, I, and maybe we'll take a moment uh, after I finish this, but I'd, I'd love to talk about why this is critical for patients and why there's a critical need in terms of uh, the field and, and, and to help patients out in this. But the economics are a reality, and, and I'm very optimistic that the economics are going to be extremely good for people who are interested in, um, in heart failure, in advanced heart failure uh, and transplant cardiology. So in regards to what you just said, what are the, the, the special skills or the extra training um, that heart failure fellows are going to get that is going to, first of all, be unique compared to internal medicine and cardiologists? Um, and and in, in what way will it help patients beyond what we're just trained to do in general cardiology fellowship? Well, let, let, me, let me start with the, if I may, <clears throat> with the second half of your question and then go back to the first. You know why is this so important to patients? Um, you know, the 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 reality is that de facto this field exists. Um, there are many many people out there who refer to themselves as heart failure specialists. There are 65 or so programs out there training people in what is called heart failure uh, advanced heart failure specialists. All that is, has been occurring with no criteria, no certification process, and no program accreditation process, which means to the patient, and I'm not saying any of these people are misrepresenting, but really it means to the patient is they, they really have nothing behind someone saying to them, I am a specialist for you. I am, you know, I have expertise in you. So this is a field that, that has expanded and grown very, very much ahead of the certification and accreditation processes. And it, it really is the singular reason why this had to happen. It really had to happen uh, for the best interest of patients with, with heart failure. So, you know, then getting back to the first part of your question, um, the 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 it is a mixture of uh, cognitive and evaluation and management services uh, capabilities um, and expert and, and expertise and um, and um, technical proficiencies in those technical aspects. Um, the technical aspects will include um, the care of patients uh, undergoing cardiac transplantation. Uh, and the care of patients uh, undergoing ventricular assist device placement. Mm -hmm. It does not include the actual uh, placement of ventricular assist devices, uh, and it does not include the actual placement of uh, things like um, uh, ICDs and CRT devices. But uh, it does entail uh, expertise and proficiencies 
<clears throat> in the use of, in, in first of all, referral for those devices, secondly, um, care of patients who have those devices, and thirdly, as far as the electrophysiologic devices that I mentioned, interrogation of those devices, which is something new for most programs. Um, so all of that is in there. I mean, I, I really want to stress that the, there is extensive, uh, there will be expense, extensive proficiency requirements in the cognitive and evaluation and management skills as well. I don't want to diminish that at all, but there also will be these um, somewhat technical proficiencies, at least in the care of patients um, who undergo heart transplant and who are getting these devices. I see. You mentioned that there are about 60 or 65 programs that currently train uh, fellows to be heart failure doctors. And will the board have some type of a requirement for centers, especially those that do less or more transplants, uh, in order to assure that, that fellows get a uniform experience around the country? Well, let's, let's dissect that out. First of all, uh, there will be an accreditation process for programs. Um, uh, as well as a certification criteria for the individual. And part of the certification requirement will be that that individual is trained at an, at an accredited um, institution. We're very hopeful that that accreditation process will, over the next several years, be taken on by the ACGME, the same um, entity that accredits um, all of the other ABIM uh, uh, specialties and subspecialties and secondary subspecialties. Um, the, um, the, the, so uh, as far as the transplant issue is concerned, uh, there will not be a, requi a requirement for accreditation that a program have a heart transplant program. Um, I'm fairly certain, you know, although I can, certainly can't speak for the ACGME, um, I, I'm, I'm, there is no reason based on the, on the certification criteria that, that to accredit a program, it would have to have a heart transplant program. But what it will have to do is to form a relationship with a transplant program such that that other transplant program can provide its trainees with the proficiencies that they will need in um, in caring for patients undergoing transplant and ventricular assist devices, and and that you know that could be tricky um, to to do that. I'm I'm very optimistic that that will not be a problem. Um, and my reason for saying that is that I believe that transplant programs will be very interested in forming those sorts of relationships with non-transplant programs um, in order to uh, you know. Um, link up with those programs and jointly care for patients who have those needs. So you potentially see some fellows uh, needing to travel to other centers to kind of uh, complete their training or to add to their training? Yes, and obviously it'll, it, it will play out in different regions and different geographies and cities. Um, you know, but in, in, in the greater Boston area, for example, um, you know, there are, uh, you know, three adult and one pediatric transplant programs, but there are numbers of other um, very excellent large institutions with, with training programs that, that don't have those. And, and I can tell you that, uh, you know, Tufts Medical Center, for example, um, does link up with several other programs in the area 
mm-hmm. um, that don't have transplant programs would provide those those training opportunities for those fellows. Okay. So I, that that's really the way I see it happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, my final uh, couple of questions are this: When now that this uh, has been approved by the American Board of Medical Specialties, when do you expect the actual certification to be made available? And secondly, what happens to those doctors who previously trained in heart failure or are already heart failure specialists? Do they sure. get grandfathered into to this board? Sure. Well, well, let me lead into that by just sort of giving you a little bit of history. The, the, the um, you know, this is a, this is a um, uh, an initiative that that was de- has been developed and advocated for by the Heart Failure Society of America and a number of people, uh, you know, with it with that organization who've worked very very hard. On, the, on that for uh, a number of years, going back about five years, um, and then was was uh, really advocated for to the American Board of Internal Medicine, where, where which now uh, is is the entity that's that's going to move that um, forward. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, the, as the timing of it um, is not certain at this point. Um, as I mentioned, uh, you know, we we need to. Identify the accrediting organization, which ultimately I'm confident will be the ACGME. It may be that in the interim, there's much, a lot of discussion going on right now with the, with the possibility that in the interim, the Heart Failure Society of America may take on that program accreditation um, uh, effort um, in the near term. Um, I, I don't see any of that all coming together, and then a test has to be written. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I really don't see any of that um, coming on realistically, in my opinion, before 2010. Uh, that That's sort of when I would think it might happen. It could, it could even be pushed later than that. I, I don't see it uh, starting in 2009. I guess I could be proven wrong, but I'd, I'd be looking to 2010 and as far as grandfathering is concerned, that's a that's a that's a very very important point. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, there, there are uh, in in the proposal that was put forward by the American Board of Internal Medicine, there are very clear opportunities over the first several years of the certification opportunity. Uh, there there are criteria that can be met by individuals who have not gone through accredited programs because they won't have existed up till then. And there are many people out there like that, including myself. <laughs> and um, you know that that uh, and and so th- there are ways of documenting your competency in these areas um, t- uh, to qualify you for sitting for the exam. It will be necessary to sit for the exam um, in order to get certified. Uh, but for the first several years, there will be ways of um, of being qualified for the exam that will not require having been through an accredited program. You've been listening to The Fellows Corner on the heart.org radio.